I would love to go through the series of going through each and every single count of the one another commands. Um, but I, I think we, uh, I would be torturing you a little bit, so we decided not to do that. Um, but we're going to finish it tonight, and I've titled the sermon tonight, Please Pray For Me, um, because of what I've got to preach. Um, but if you can, please pray for me. I, I know Linda has been, because when I, she asked me, what, what is your sermon title for this week? So I said, please pray for you, uh, please pray for me. She says, why haven't you done any prep yet? So, uh, no. <laughs> um, so, this title, the please pray for me, and we're going to be looking in James chapter 5, a practical book. Uh, I love not to love James. Um, it's such a book of conviction of the real doing book and, and what we should be uh, about. And so James chapter 5. And looking at this prayer, now I've been kind of debating around what should I, what should I say for an introduction to prayer. And I was looking back and just seeing the amount of times where uh, we as a group or a church or individuals were praying for things and God's answered prayer. And man, I have got so many stories. Uh, World Cup times when I've been on my knees, please let the Springboks win. You know, um, where it's been a circumstance or situation. We often tease at our home cell, we've been praying for jobs. Uh, we've had a number of people in our home cell that have lost jobs over time. And, and really it's been about the home cell, about praying for jobs. Because if you look at our prayer journals and seeing God's answered prayer to those. It's been incredible. But as I was looking through this as well, it wasn't just the, the answered prayers. of just seeing how God, when, when he's at work, when his people get together, how God's answered prayers. It was also remembering some of my struggles with prayer. Have you ever gone to somebody or somebody said to you, please pray for me for this? And I'm like, whoa, that's quite a big thing. I don't know what God's will is in this. I don't know quite what words to say. Because if I pray this and it doesn't happen, what then? Am I letting the person down? Am I letting God down? What, what am I doing? Anyone experienced that? Or oh, it's been prayers where you're like, God... I've been praying this so long that I don't actually know if it's really going to happen. Family members you've maybe prayed for to come to know Christ. Maybe you remember prayers that you prayed and it just didn't happen. Lord, please get me out of this mass class, please. And that bell just didn't ring. <laughs> maybe it's prayers that you remember back. And so James really deals with this. And, and James, we see as a man of incredible faith. Uh, James, in fact, we're told many times that he's prayed for healing. And those guys have been healed. If you look at some of the, the journey in the, the New Testament, you'll see instances where James is there and how God is using him mightily. Brings this book, and it seems like an opposition to Paul. Often it's a, it's a kind of a doing book. Um, and James is not in opposition with Paul. He isn't saying uh, salvation by works. He's saying works in response of our salvation. That's really what he's saying. And he kind of brings the end of this book to this focus on prayer. And I find it really interesting. And so we go, we're going to pick it up from James chapter 5 from verse 13. And it says this, if anyone of you is in trouble, let them pray. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person soul group, a life group that's prayed for you. It may be various things. Be it sometimes we struggle to pray. And so James, a very practical book, brings this about praying. Well, he gives us quite a few things. He tells us when to pray. He tells us kind of how to pray. And he tells us who to pray for in this very practical couple of verses. And I want to have a look at this. Firstly, just to say I realize that there's times where faith and prayer have to really go together. And we've got to stretch our prayers. And I'm going to start that. See, one of the worst things we can do is the unprayed prayer. So often we're so scared about what to pray for that we don't go down that route. And we land up not praying for it. And I've seen that. I've had people ask me to pray for them and I've said a kind of just a a little half-hearted prayer because I'm not sure what God's will is, but really to stretch the prayer. I remember getting invited to um, the Johannesburg Region D's health, uh, Department of Health did did a function. And what the function was for was really caregivers of those who were dying of HIV and AIDS. And here these people are in this room that have witnessed so many people passing away. And they said, Dan, please can you come join us and give us an encouraging word and pray for these people. But yo, what do I pray? <laughs> These people that have seen such hurt and such loss. How do we do this? We stretch and we trust God. But let's focus on when do we pray? Well, James tells us and starts off in times of trouble. That's how he starts off. In times of trouble. That's when the time when we find it least hard to pray. Don't you find that? Even atheists, I find that time. Can I do anything for you? Can you pray for me? Let me find that opportunity to witness when there's times of trouble. Can I pray for you? Well, yes. I I remember praying, and I've shared the testimony here, uh, praying for a a Muslim lady that daughter had uh, attempted to commit suicide. And I said, can I pray for you? And she turned around and said, well, I'm a Muslim. So I said, well, we're not going down that route. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Opportunity to pray. So if anyone is in trouble, let them pray pray but there's a link here to in times of trouble and and the trouble word here by the way is anguish in times of hardship in times of suffering we need to be turning to the lord but there's a link with times of happiness because james is very aware that as christians we are going to go through times of trouble and we're going to go through times of incredible joy good times There's this journey, so when do we pray? Basically, always. Between trouble and good times, we need to be praying. That's what he's really saying. So the prayer is this anguish, it's this deep. And the prayer that we need to have in the times of trouble is not a prayer of why, Lord, why are you letting me do this? But God, what are you doing through this? We've got to reverse our prayers in times of trouble. God, what are you going to do? What are you using this for? What are you trying to teach me in? God, what, what testimony, what lesson do I need to learn? What's going on here? Not a why, but a what kind of prayer. So we pray in times of trouble. 
We pray in good times. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. You know, I find it strange that I find it very easy to pray in hard times, but I find it very hard to pray in good times. I don't know if it's just me. You do that. But what is our kind of prayer? It's praise. God, I acknowledge what you're doing. Wow, God, look at where you're at. What are you taking? Now, as I was kind of fine-tuning the sermon this this evening, um, this afternoon, um, Joshua was outside. So this is the dangers of being a pastor's kid. Sorry, Joshua. Uh, You could use the illustration. And Joshua was screaming off the top of his head just his own song. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've made. All that you've made. And because he was right by the lavender. And the lavender you made. They proceeded to get shoved in the beagle's ear. But anyway, it was going off. And the song must have lasted, and I don't know if Sarah heard this, but about 10 minutes of just, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for all you've made. Thank you for the things you've made. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, and for the lavender. It's stuck in my head, may it be in yours. Such great testimonies. Joy, teacher Sam and teacher Harting. The stories that you have from little ones and the abundance and the joy and the easiness to acknowledge what's going on around them and to respond to it. We as his people should be responding to God, not just in times of trouble. Lord, I need your help. But also, wow, God, look at what you've done. Look at who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even for the lavender. Thank you, Lord. And the good times. So when do we pray? Between trouble and good times. But we also pray in sickness. If any one of you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And may the prayer offered in faith make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. So the key time is when we're sick. Do you see the the one another kind of command? It's not to bear this alone. But to call the elders, what was significant about the elders was the elders are people that should be seeking the will of the Lord and should know how to pray for those who are sick because they've been seeking out the will of the Lord. Saying, God, what are you doing here? So when I'm sick, you call the elders and what a blessing it is to be an elder that is able to pray for people. I'll tell you what, it's an incredible blessing. We don't do this enough call let's pray if you're not part of the prayer chain isn't it incredible to pray for people that are sick man to see god's healing hand and so we are called to pray and called to call the elders when we're sick in this and what are they to do they anoint to anoint them with oil in the name of the lord well the oil was significant here and it's it's a different kind of oil than just the the castral multi-purpose or if the person's a little bit older, high mileage um, oil that you would use. Um, the oil wasn't the important thing. But often oil was used in this day of medical kind of terms. And we still see it being used today for healing, for cuts, for wounds, all sorts of things. So the oil, oil was to anoint. It wasn't just a dab. It was kind of to rub the oil on them. It was this medical kind of purpose to help them. And I believe that God does heal through medicine. And I'm so grateful for some doctors. I really am. 
But it was also to remind them of the symbolism. David being anointed by oil. No magic in the oil. No magic in the elders' hands. No magic by the elders. But it was to remind them that it is God's hand at work. It is God who heals in this. And prayer offered him by faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will. See that? The Lord will raise them. So God's work in here. So the oil was used as medical, but also to remind them that God is in control. God has got that situation. So the elders would be around seeking God's will. Now this is very hard. Because I have prayed for people and seen the healing hands of God. I believe that God still heals today. I am a, a just got a testimony of suffering as a youngster of a thing called Raynoid's phenomena. Where basically over winter time my knuckles would swell and crack and I would struggle to move or grip a pencil. So I told my teachers, but you know, it was it was actually bad. My joints would hurt. And I remember the church gathering around and anointing my hands with oil and praying. And I remember this incredible warmth and God just healed. I haven't suffered with that since. God's healing hand. But I've also prayed for people and they haven't been healed. But you know what I've always prayed? For God's will. See, when we're praying for God's will, it's not about our prayer or magical in our prayer or how we pray. It's the reminder of who God is. It's God that is healing. It is God that's got a purpose and a plan. And so when I'm praying his will, I'm taking that person and placing them in their hands and saying, God, you know what's best. Soften my heart to your will, to what you want. That's what it's talking about. And so we pray in times of trouble. We pray in times of good times. We pray in sickness. And we also pray in our struggle with sin. I want to highlight this. It says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice the word if that bridges this. So the assumption is this person is sick. It's not saying this person is sick because of sin. That's not what James is saying. But he's saying that sometimes we're sick because of sin. It's not all the time. It's not always the the plan. You can't say that you're suffering because of sin. But sometimes our sin does lead to suffering. And he's saying if it's a moment, and this is where the elders are also involved in this, Kind of wisdom seeking if there's sin. If they have sinned. So we pray in our sin. David knows all about how the impact of our sin sometimes affects us physically. Writes in Psalm 32 verses 3 to 5. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groaning all day long. For day and night... Your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sins to you. And, I, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the, the guilt of my sin. So we see that sometimes sin 
needs to wear us. Have you ever done something and struggled to sleep at night? Thoughts going, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Anguish. Even being tempted down the roots and you find yourself so trapped, so distant from the Lord that you're going, I don't know how to face this. I don't know where to go. And there's just this pain that's inside. Sometimes our sin can physically affect us. And so he goes, if there's sin. But he goes on also to turn around and say, therefore, um, it says, yeah, sorry. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin. Don't you love that? It's the reminder first that they're forgiven. That you and I are forgiven. The antidote to our sin is the reminder, the repentance, coming to God, realizing that He has forgiven us already. You are forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin. So we don't find forgiveness in confession. We find healing in confession because we're forgiven. So God tells us to kind of pray, reminded that we have been forgiven. There's no sin. There's nothing that you have done or ever could do that would stop God from loving you. There's nothing you've ever done, thought about, wrestled with, nothing that's impacted you so much so in your body that the cross and what Christ did was not good enough for. He died for you and me. We're forgiven. So we're told about confession. This is so important and we don't sometimes do this enough. We tend to hide sin away. Ever struggled with your prayer and sometimes wrestle with this and saying, God, you know, I keep falling into this, I keep falling into this. But it's about bringing it into the light. Saying, I need help. This is the whole one another kind of basis. Is confessing before one another. Is it a public confession? Well, I believe that sometimes private sins should be revealed privately with an individual. I'm not going to call a confession session up here. But there are some sins that we do publicly confess. But an important thing is about confessing to one another. Saying, I need your help in this area. Is a struggle. To not live in the darkness, but to live in the light. To come to a place and saying, God, I need you here. Can you pray for me because I am struggling? Can you do this? We go to one another when sometimes the sin is against each other. Talk about forgiveness and Zach did. But ever gone to somebody and confessed your sin? And you have that moment of prayer together? Ever try to be cross with someone, angry with someone and pray for them at the same time? Ever try to do that? Lord, may you bless them and come for them soon. No. Um, but a, a blessing and saying, God, I want you to do something in this person's life. Lord, can you help in this person? The response of anger often then becomes love in this praying for one another. So in this confession, it's coming to each other and praying and that incredible bond of saying, God, I need your hand here. See, when we pray, when we confess, when we do these things, it may seem like a hurdle. 
uh, one of the commentaries uh, turns around and says it's like throwing an anchor, being on a boat and throwing the anchor onto the beach and then pulling yourself. It's the struggle that we seem to have. But when we do the confession, when we pray in our sin, it's not that we're pulling the island closer to us, but simply that we are going closer to the island. Who's doing the pulling? We are. So when we do the confession, when we do the praying, is it that we're drawing God closer to us? No, it's naturally drawing us closer to Him. Coming us, that pulls us closer. So when do we pray? We pray in times of sorrow, uh, times of trouble, in good times, in sickness, and when we're struggling in sin. So why are we not praying? Because I'm sure here, each of us are going through something like that. Each of us here may be in one of those very areas. We're called to pray. So how do we pray? Well, he goes on, verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we were, we are. He prayed earnestly. You see that word? So how do we pray? It's earnestly. What does this earnestly mean? It means consistently, persistent. Lord, I need your help here. Lord, only you can do this. It's not a, God, you think this is a good idea? I'm going to do this. It's, I need you, Lord, and only you can move. Only you can change this. And continuously. In fact, the translation could be uh, saying that it was a prayer, uh, a prayer with a prayer kind of basis. Here, it was this repetition that just carried on. So it's this earnestly, it's asking, saying, God, I need you. Do we pray like that? God, only you can answer this. Only you are great enough. Only you are wise enough. Only you are able to. That's what we're called to do. See, it's more than just simply rambling off a whole bunch of words. Ever been to prayer meetings where we never really ask God for anything? Been to those? It's just a bunch of fluffy words that have said. And it's not this earnest saying, God, I am trusting you. God, only you can. God, this is who you are. God, I need you. It's more than just saying the word, Lord, bless them. Ever counted how many times we say the word bless in your prayers? With what? God, I need you to do this. Can you do this? Lord, because only you are able to. That's what we've got to do. So we've got to pray earnestly. We've got to pray with the right heart. Now, Elijah to me was an incredible prophet. One of my favorite prophets. Incredible guy. And you see how God uses him. The mighty impact in a time where no one was following the Lord. And he was doing that. But Elijah is told, James tells us and reminds us, says Elijah was just a human being, even as we are. See that? There was nothing special about him. We're the same. As Christians, we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. There was nothing magical about him. It was what God was doing through him. And this is what James is reminding us. So that God did these incredible big things through him, but he was just a man. It was about who God is. And so we pray with the right heart. 
Because he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And he prays again. We're told here as well in the text is that a righteous person. So it's having the right heart. It's getting back to God and saying, God, I need you. It's not about me. It's not about what I've done. But Lord, help me to get my heart right with you. To have a David heart. A heart after yours. Help me with this. So we pray earnestly. We pray with the right heart. And we pray with faith. Ephesians 3 verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask. See this? Ask, pray. This is what it's saying. Or imagine according to the great power that is at work within us. So God who wants to work through us. For his glory. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. How? So that it impacts the generations throughout all generations forever and ever. So the generations not yet born. So the God who is able to do more than we can ever ask or imagine by working through us, his grace that he chooses to work through us, that it impacts generations for his glory. That's what it's saying. So we pray with faith. This faith is saying, God, only you are able to. And I use this silly illustration with the teens quite often. And I say to them, you know, you each year tonight sat on that chair. Everyone except for Shelley just got on the chair and sat there. Shelley looked back and saw my weight being held up by the chair and she said, no, it's fine. Okay, confident that this chair, she's seen the test of me and that chair's a little hole up there. And then she sat down. Okay, now you're looking at me strangely. You just sat down. <laughs> All right. But it's that faith that God is only able to. It's saying God in our prayers, God, would you do? So we're praying with faith. But as we pray in faith, 1 John 5 verse 14 says this. This is, uh, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, as we pray, we look for God's will. If we're lining our hearts, if we're praying with the right heart, it's one to see God's glory. It's one that wants to see His will, His name. So it's saying, God, no matter what you do with this, I trust you. I trust that you know best. I trust that you know you have your plans. I prayed as a kid that we wouldn't lose our house. That the bank wouldn't come and take it away. That the house that we grew up in what kind of my parents built would stay. God didn't answer that prayer. Okay, my family sold it before the bank took it away, but it was about to happen. Moved into a house, a two-bedroom cluster home, with my sister who was eight years older than me. I tortured her. God didn't answer that prayer. But he did. If I didn't move into that house, I would never have landed up at Glen Vista Baptist because my friends told me that the girls were hot and I went there because the girls were hot. And God had other plans for me. And he got hold of me and he changed my life. God was doing something. Do we have the faith to say, God, your will? I place your hands. Because you know what? You know tomorrow. No one else does. 
No one else has the resources that you have. No one else has the wisdom that you have. And no one else understands me like you do. And so I have the faith that you know what is best. How to pray. We pray earnestly. We pray with the right heart. We pray with faith in who God is. In his will. But we also pray together and we pray alone. This kind of text is highlighting the opportunity. Have a look at how many times James says pray, prayed, prayed, pray. You see that? The context, it's when the elders are gathered. It's when the good times, it's this. It's just continuously praying. This is kind of the command around this. So it's together. What an incredible opportunity we have. To be able to get together and testify, man, God has done. Jason and I often talk and say, when, when Jason stepped out of work and saying, God, you trust me this, and all the plans that Jason, all the preparation plans that he had didn't work. Now we look after COVID, after lockdown, and see what, how God has blessed Jason with the work he says. Wow, isn't that God great? And you know what? The privilege we had to pray with him, the journey, we should be running to each other and saying, wow, I wanna, how can I pray for you? And it shouldn't be just a, I'll pray for you because we don't know how, the, how to kind of solve this problem the person's going through. So our natural response and cliche thing as a Christian is, I'll pray for you. And we don't. But to be journeying together, having this opportunity to pray, whether it's alone, having a prayer journal, I don't know if you ever do that. But to be able to go through and see how God has answered prayer and to go through that journal to see those things. Praying together, praying alone. What an incredible opportunity to pray to see God at work. Someone tell me, why are we not praying? Lastly, James kind of tells us who to pray for. And it's quite obvious if you look through this text. It tells us to pray for ourselves. When you're happy, when you're in trouble, pray. That's a pray for ourselves. That's a selfish prayer. But how often sometimes do we pray for so many others, but we don't really just spend some time just reflecting and praying for ourselves. God, can you work in me? God, can you stretch me? Anyone scared, you know, brave enough to pray that? God, can you give me patience? I'm really not praying that, please. <laughs> you brave enough to do that? Pray for ourselves. To pray for each other. The blessing. I want to encourage you tonight to go find somebody in this room that you feel God stirred in their hearts and maybe just spend two, three minutes just praying for each other. Maybe even take the challenge to do a WhatsApp voice note. Hey, how can I pray for you? Let's pray together. And maybe a three-minute phone call quickly. But just to be part of that. When we pray for each other. To pray for the sick. One opportunity we have. We don't know the answers of why the epidemic. What is really going on. But we have an opportunity as a church to serve. To pray for those that are sick. Those that are hurting. Those that have experienced loss. We, they should be so in our hearts. To pray for them. 
should be the concern from the very leadership. And I'm grateful for a leadership that is. I've seen how Uncle Brian has journeyed alongside a family. I've seen how Pastor Paul has, has given hours and hours of his week to do. To journey with those that have experienced loss or those who are sick. I've seen that. But it should be on all our hearts to pray for the sick. Also to pray for our nation. You see Elijah praying for rain, praying that it doesn't rain. Why does he pray for it doesn't rain? Because that entire nation through, through Abel and Jezebel had gone far from God. And praying that it doesn't rain so that they have to trust him, that they have to turn back to him. And yet, after this incredible miracle, and if we want to see Elijah's man of faith, yet runs off after seeing God doing these incredible things, runs off fear his life and basically says, Lord, take me now. This high moment to this very low moment that he has. Be it praise for the nation that it would reign again. And this faith that it takes, and this is why this text is using this whole faith thing, sends his servant out to go see if the rain comes. After, is it here yet? 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 Eventually a servant comes and basically we give him the description that there's this cloud that's as, the size of a fist of a man. That's kind of like really checking out this cloud. Not rain for three and a half years. And the small cloud. This faith that the small cloud that we see that God has got this incredible storm, this incredible blessing ahead. And so he prays for the nation for rain. I remember the first free and fair election. I'm old enough to remember the referendum. Going to the, watch my parents vote. Seeing a tent that said yes, and I seen a tent that said no. And the decision they had to make. But I remember going to prayer meetings as a youngster. I remember the church on their knees praying for forgiveness. I remember the church praying for healing in our country. I remember the church praying for peace. And what a testimony it was as God answered that prayer. Why have we stopped praying? Why have we stopped praying for our country? Does it need not, not need God anymore? We should have that earnestly in there. We pray for our nation. And it ends us off with a really kind of encouraging us to reach out to those who are backslidden. Those who were once in our midst that have left. We call to pray for them too. We're called to reach out to them too. Is there someone that you knew was sitting here that maybe has lost their way? Let's not just pray for them. Let's go and reach out to them and go pray with them. That's what we're called to do. So tell me again, why are we not praying for each other? I want to finish off with this illustration. When Hudson Taylor was, went to his first trip to China, he made his voyage on a sailing ship. And as it neared one of those channels uh, between the, the South Malan uh, Peninsula and the island of uh, Sumateria, the missionary heard an urgent knock 
on his storeroom door. And he opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. And he said this, Mr. Taylor, he says, we have no wind, and we've drifted towards an island where the people uh, here are heathen, and I fear that they may be cannibals. So Hudson Taylor says, what can I do about that? Well, the captain went on to say, I understand that you believe in God, and I want you to pray for wind. And so Taylor responded, and he said, all right, captain, I will do that, but you must set the sail. The captain was agitated by this and said, that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze, and besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy. Nevertheless, the captain finally agreed. Forty-five minutes later, he returned to find the missionary still on his knees. And the captain said this, you can stop praying now. We have got more wind than we know what to do with. Church, are we ready to set the sail? Are we ready to be on our knees for each other? Because God has got the wind. He's going to do big things. Let's pray for one another. Pray for me as I pray for you. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you. You are so great. You are beyond description. And forgive us sometimes that we forget that. We make you almost like the small g God. But you are the God that is a capital G. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know it all. Be it through the table we are reminded of your grace and your mercy. That what you would choose to do for us. Despite what we've done. And we can never offer you enough for that. But we can respond to you in that. And so Lord we pray that our response would be really carrying one another in prayer. Praying and trusting you to do big things. Earnestly, continuously, not giving up. Praying in all seasons. Because God we want to see your glory. We want to know your will. And we want to see your impact in the generation not yet born. So use us, Lord. Thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that we can pray to you. That we don't need to go into any rituals or anything. But simply on our knees. We don't have to have fancy words. But just earnest words. To really pray in our prayer. together. Pray this in your name. Amen.